Well, we have uh, we've gone over a lot of different things over the last uh, several months uh, when it comes to uh, parenting, and you know I obviously don't know all the answers, and that's for sure uh, to be the case. But I want to be an encouragement to you this morning. Turn to Psalm 143, Psalm 143, and I want to I want to just kind of I guess give you a prayer for you and I to to model after here. Uh, And uh, this is a believed to be a psalm of David. And uh, just there's some things in here that the the, the chapter does not speak to parenting or speak on parenting. uh, And uh, hence we all can find great encouragement from it. But uh, I really believe that it will be a blessing to us. Uh, for the At the beginning portion, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3. Uh, Psalm 143, verses 1 through 3. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground. And here's kind of the the thrust point here. And he hath made me to dwell in darkness as though that have been long dead. And uh, we'll look at other verses here in, in, in the chapter here in a moment. But parenting is inescapably a work of waiting. It's a work of waiting. As a parent, especially your young children, you're constantly devoting your time and energy into something that does not produce immediate results. Uh, You know, I've shared stories over the last uh, weeks through this of how you seemingly teach some of the same things. And so some of what we're going to hear this morning is by kind of concluding everything, but it will be review, will be nothing new, but we don't receive immediate results. Uh, It's unclear. Uh, that whether you are going to or what that what you're doing will have any lasting effort with your kids at all. Uh, what is tough because lasting effort is what you really want. It's what you're really it's what you're really after. It's never just about the kids sleeping through the night. Um, you know, early on it's like, oh, if you just sleep through the night, please. Okay, it's not it's not just that. It's not just. Uh, When I tell you to go down for a nap, that you'd actually go down for a nap. It's not when you tell them, hey, stop eating those boogers, you know, that they, you know, any of you had kids that eat boogers? I'm not going to say that I did because then you could use that against them, Um, you know, but you try to teach them to be polite at our dinner table. You try to teach them not to cop an attitude when they don't get what they want. All of the things that kind of encompass a lot of the mundane, really the you know, it's not like the big big moments of parenting, but it's like the daily the, the the daily stuff. To be sure, you're going to spend a ton of time and energy on that. But it's never just about that. It's never just that they would be polite and kind and things like that. Instead, all of that effort is because you want them to become a certain kind of person in the long run, right? You want them to become a good adult. We've talked about the we've talked about the spiritual side of that and how. We would love for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, that's a, a, a great, uh, you know, the, the, the most important decision they'll ever make. But a lot of the parenting happens long before that, you know, and we require the obedience and we do that. We, we, we use the law and the grace and the things that we've talked about. And a lot of it's long before maybe even they trust Christ as their Savior. Okay, and so you want them to become mature, God-fearing adults. Okay, that's kind of that's the, the, the long-term goal. 
And so all the little stuff parents do from telling your kids to say excuse me, from telling your kids to say thank you, right, when someone gives them something or says something, you know, to say thank you to, um, you know, to whatever you're banning in your home, things that they're not allowed to do, uh, it all pointed towards their future, okay, always to their future. But this future-oriented investment, it's never safe because you might not see all of the rewards in which you have placed so much time into, so much effort into, okay? Uh, sometimes you, um, what you think you're not seeing can bring great discouragement in your life. You know, you're not seeing the growth, you're not seeing the things that you are plugging away, plugging away with people, whether you're a parent or not, you're just trying to help people, and it's like, don't you get it, right? You just... You know, whether it's a friend or someone like that, you're trying to, you know, breathe life into them, and it's just not, it's just not connecting. Well, clearly that happens also with, with children. Okay, uh, family devotions oftentimes in the Johnson home. I think that's more for the parents' patience <laughs> than it is for my children. Last night it was just like, guys, you know, it's just, it's crazy, and um, and so it's a lot of times it's just, <laughs> it's more for me, uh, and so. It's sometimes hard to see the impact right away. And honestly, we're not actually guaranteed that we'll see anything. Remember last week? I think it was last week. might have been the week, two weeks before that. Give them a perfect environment and you still might not get what you want. Right? And uh, so, you know, so we might not always see what we are striving to see. And I don't know if I will ever see my daughter get married. I don't know. I mean, I desire that. I don't know if I'll ever see my son become a courageous boy that will go into the backyard by himself. We had a friend come out from the East Coast about a year ago, and they said that there was an Olaf in the backyard. Like, Olaf is a cute little, like, you know, snowball thing, right? But he thinks it's a spider, and so he, the, the little guy just doesn't want to go in the backyard, you know? And so I pray that someday I'll see him become a courageous man, you know, where that stuff doesn't bother him. And, um, but... Uh, you know, so sometimes we we might not see what we are striving for. I wonder if you have children that are rude, and yet you didn't want them to be rude. And I wonder if you have children, um, those of you that have sons, and maybe they're not manly like you. Like we, we man, Matt, well, Friday night was awesome. We talked about what biblical manhood was versus what worldly manhood, what the definition of the world defines it. It was awesome. It's great. And uh, maybe you maybe you struggle with that. So you don't have the quote-unquote fruit in which you desired uh, in them. And so you and I, we invest, we invest, we invest. And this will be encouraging to you, but you really don't know what you're going to get. You don't know. There's, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, parents can never know. So much of what we do is an investment in the unseen. And therefore, it is profoundly a work of faith. It is a work of faith. It is a, it is a waiting work. Parenting, like nothing else, exposes us to the possibility of deep suffering. I still remember some of the first parenting advice that Sarah and I got in uh, Pennsylvania. And it was a, uh, a sweet lady. Um, she was much older than we were, uh, very wise, had had children, and uh, the children loved the Lord, and, and so she spoke compassionately to us about our daughter, and here's some of the first advice that we received. She said this, 
she will break your heart, you know. And I was like, all right, mm, all right. So do, do you mean like, you know, she's, I mean, our hearts are just going to break because we just love her so much and that she's going to have daddy wrapped around her finger and, you know, all those different types of things. And then I begin to realize, no, that's not what she meant. Okay, she didn't mean that it was just going to break with this, oh, it's going to be so awesome. No, she meant your heart's going to break because you love this person so much. And the very thought of them hurting is going to drive you insane. And one day that she's going to make decisions that you're not going to agree with, or maybe all of them, that they, you're not going to agree with all of them. And in fact, some might be dangerous decisions, and you are in a catch-22. They're, they're now an adult. And you're still trying to kind of shepherd from a distance and things like that. And so she, our, some of our first advice, you know, you, you'd think, it's actually good advice, but you would think it, a little bit, it would have been a little bit more rosier, you know. But um, sweet, sweet lady. Her name was Lynn Lazat. She's still alive, uh, still communicate on, around Christmas time. And uh, sweet, sweet, sweet dear lady. And she said, she's going to break your heart. And you know that, right? And, uh, and the truth is, is that uh, you, you, you don't know. There's a, you know. there's a gamble, so to speak, when it comes to raising your children. She knew what she was talking about. She was telling us that even with our love and our care and our instruction, despite some of the books that you read, don't sometimes be careful what you read, we cannot know how it's all going to turn out. You just, you just won't know. Parenting is never a sure investment with an immediate turnaround. Parenting is inescapable and it's a, uh, it's a work of waiting. You say, man, I am so glad I came this morning. So what do we do? Like, hey, you just kind of just made that thing like it's hopeless. All right? so, so what do we do? Well, that's where Psalm 143, it's a beautiful prayer. I think it can help us here this morning. The aim of this prayer is not, as I said earlier, it's not parental advice, uh, but it's more for the soul. Okay? It's more for the, the parent's soul. The focus is not your methods. We've talked some about that. But it's more, not, and, and it's not the procedures of parenting, but it's the posture of your heart that I want to try to help us with this morning as we kind of just close out, try to get some encouragement for this text for the journey ahead of shepherding lives, whether they are our own children or the people that are around us. So the context of the prayer is David. He's in a he's in a tough situation. Okay, and uh, he is writing. Look at verse number three. Verse three. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness. As those that have been long dead. That last clause there, it's an intensely poetic way for David saying, Hey, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting here. David is David is in limbo. He doesn't know what is going to happen next. You know, those are just, they're just gonna they're just gonna they're gonna they're long dead. He's been waiting so long. Uh, in fact, there's been so little activity. There's been so little visible fruit, so little appreciation for who he is that he feels like a dead body. This is when he was running from, many believe that he was running from his son Absalom. They were seeking his his death. He was hiding out in caves on our uh, trip to uh, Israel a few years back. Uh, We were able to see some of those, what was believed, the places where David would have been. And it was so interesting to see the, uh, the, the, the terrain in which he would have been kind of uh, living and hiding in. 
And so he's like, hey, God, where, when are you going to, can I just put, put it in like, you know, our vernacular? God, when are you going to come through? God, I'm just, I'm just, I'm still waiting. Like, can I just put this, people are dying it's been this long. All right? In other words, he's, He's waiting. He's waiting to see something happen. He's waiting to see God come through. And honestly, parenting is a lot like that. Shepherding is a lot like that. Where you're just waiting for it to click. You're saying the same things over and over again. And it's like, I'm just, I'm just waiting for this finally to kind of have an epiphany that no, you throw a tantrum and you don't get you want what you want, you still don't get what you want, right? I mean, you know, us as adults, we know that it finally clicked for us. We can't stomp our feet, you know, we can't bang our head on the ground until blood's coming out and then we get what we want. Like you've seen that stuff, right? You know, they're in the grocery store and they want candy. Mercy. And sometimes, yeah, hey, let's not be too judgmental, but sometimes the parent says, oh, I just have that, you know. We've all probably maybe been there where the embarrassment is so extreme that you might just give in. But the reality is, is that you're waiting. And David, is he, he's waiting here. He's saying, how long is this going to be? I'm being persecuted. Um, I'm, being, I'm being sought for my very life. And yet David's faith is seen a few verses later. Okay, jump down to verse 7. Verse 7. Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit faileth. Has your spirit ever failed? Have you ever, have you ever doubted? Come on, have you ever doubted? Okay, now again, application, shepherding life, okay, whether it's your children or not. That's why it can be applied to everybody. Have you ever thought, man, they're never going to get this? I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why do I why do I get up in the middle of the night and try to deal with this? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? And it's like, you know, my, my my spirit faileth, okay? More like an application prayer to us. Okay? Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Here are two requests from David, followed by the reason for the request. His first request is, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Let me hear of your. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. Why? He says because I trust you. Remind me again of your love. And then the second request he makes is make me know the way. What way? What way should I go? What should I? What should I do, God? What? How? Okay. Application. How should I? How should I continue to parent? How should I deal with this difficult child? It's seeming like nothing is working. People are dying. What that is just a frame reference. Is, it's just taking forever. You're just waiting and you're waiting and waiting. Why? Why would you ask that? Because I'm going to lift up my soul to you. I'm going to, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to obey that. And so, in the midst of confusion. When his enemies are out to get him, David prays simply, and here's how we can summarize his prayer, and this is your prayer hopefully this morning, and it is my prayer for us as we go into another week of whatever ambassadorial work that God has placed us in. Okay? God has all placed you into shepherd lives, uh, whether they're your biological children or not. But here it is. Let me hear 
and lead me on. Let me hear and lead me on. I actually want to start with the second one first, okay? Um, Where do I go? Where do I go? Look at verse number 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. The second part of the prayer, it makes the most sense to us. Because if you're looking ahead at life, if you're, if, you're, if you're looking at the lives that you're trying to shepherd and you're not fully certain of what's going to go on, perhaps the easiest prayer to God is to show you where to go. Oftentimes that's what we want. Oftentimes it's like, hey, God, tell me what to do. What, what is my next step? And oftenly that's what we tend to do when we're in a quandary when we're in a time of waiting, when we're in a time of frustration over not seeing the fruit that you want to see in maybe your own life or the lives of the people around you. Okay, our kids are going to grow up and there are thousands of decisions that it seems like we need to make for them. And we are headed somewhere. We're moving forward in the parenting journey. And then suddenly, the road seems to split into five different directions. What do I do here? Oh, man. We got to, remember at the beginning of this, we got to have that conversation right now? Am I ready for that conversation? Are they ready for that conversation? Who can I talk to to get some advice on that conversation? We're, you all pray for us, okay? Yeah, we are absolutely, we are all adults in here. You pray for us, man. We're about to, um, my, my kids, my kids are praying for brothers and sisters like every single day. And uh, literally about six, maybe five days ago, six days ago, Danielle's like, so what is like, what's like the process? And I was like, <laughs> I wasn't looking at Danielle. Hey, hey, let's keep, please don't embarrass my my daughter with this, okay? This, this is between us, all right? Hey, let's pinky swear everybody, right? Okay? And I was looking at Sarah, I'm like, hmm, and praise God. I mean, this is God. God is good. I mean, something's literally planned within the next, like, Seven, eight days where the two of them are going to go away. It's already been planned, booked, and it's great. Okay? And so I'm like, Phew. but I was able to kind of get her to, to stop thinking about it. But I don't, I don't know what, I mean, the Lord just gave it to us and all of a sudden went on to something else. You know, who knows what it was. I was like, man, are we ready for this conversation? Clearly she's thinking she is, you know. And that's what I mean by like you go, getting ready to go in like five different directions, right? You know, you're just moving along with parenting when they're little. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not like these major talks and major decisions yet. Well, there's one that is coming. And uh, praise God, I have a son that's five, all right? So that, well, that's more like the daddy's job, and, and that might happen at seven. Who knows? But I'm just kidding. And uh, so you begin to ask, where do I go? What do we do? Sarah, I just told a story, okay? Just so you know, she just walked in. And we all pinky swore that we wouldn't say anything, so don't ask. All right? Where do we go? I'll tell you later. What do we do? Right? These are, these are like legitimate, often firsthand questions. Real life is happening, and it's, where do I go? What do I do? The prayer is simple. God, God, make a way for me. God, you know. So show me the direction that I'm supposed to go in. I'm lifting my soul up to you. If you are who I think you are, you're all I've got when it comes to these types of things, and guess what? I'm going to follow you, so show me where you go. 
But I want you to notice that before David gets there, he prays, he prays another prayer that is less intuitive. Before he asks God to show him the way, look again at verse number 8. He asks, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Hearing is less automatic than screaming for help. Alright? Listen to what I'm saying. Hearing is less automatic than screaming for help when you feel like you're a little bit, when you're trying to keep your head above water. You know, at those moments where you feel like you're drowning in life, where you feel like, you know, hey, hey, this whole parenting thing, this whole shepherding people, eh, it's too much. And you know what we want to do at that moment? God, help me. Show me where to go. Not, okay, at this moment, all right, I'm, I'm ready to listen to you, Lord. No, 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 we want help. And so this one is a little bit more difficult. Asking to hear is less automatic than asking for help, than crying out for help. It's something that we choose, something we know that we need, and that's what's happening here. So his first question kind of is, hey, you know, uh, wh where do I go? Can I say his second question is, and you and I ought not necessarily get shocked when people ask this question, God, do you love me? Do you love me? Sometimes people ask those questions and you're like, oh! it would be, be really good if you and I would admit sometimes we ask those questions. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. David knows the first thing in the morning. He needs to remember the steadfast love of God. That is to say that before he started stepping out, before he strategizes about his next move, before he decides anything, there is one thing above all the others that he must know. Is God for me? That's what he's asking. Is God for me? Will God help him? God, do you love me? Saying, cause me to remember let me let me hear this. Help me with this, okay? And you know, I, my spirit is failing. Um, I'm struggling. Obviously, we know that the direct interpretation is not parenting, but you and I can apply it to that. David needs to hear afresh that God is faithful. He needs to hear that He keeps His promises. He needs to be reminded in the morning before He does anything. God, remind me that You're good. And guess what? So do parents. And that's why I said this is my prayer for us. This is my prayer. We, you and I, we need to, we need to be reminded that, that God is good. We need to be reminded that, that God knows what He's doing when He called you to shepherd those lives in your own home. Sometimes we feel so inadequate. We feel like, God, what were you doing? And yet, God is good and He's caring and He's loving. We need to know what God says about us. It is Him, after all, with whom we are placing our trust, correct? We're banking on Him. And so what does He say? Well, God says, I love you. Turn to Romans 5. Let's just take a real quick journey here. See, now you and I, man, we're not in David's plight because uh, we are later, and you and I can read the very words of God. Verse 
God says, I love you this morning. God says, hey, not only do I love you, I've shown you my love. Not only do I love you, not only do I have I shown you my love, by the way, I've shown you my love when you were unworthy of that love. Look at Romans 5.8. But God commanded his love. God shows his love. God extends his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In your plight, in your, in your state, in your, in your wrong reactions to your children, in your wrong reactions to people that you're trying to shepherd. You're, God loves, God, do you still love me after that reaction? God, do you still love me after uh, after what I said and what I did? Yeah, yeah. He does. He loved you and he died for you while you were sinners. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Not only did Christ die for you while you were a sinner, well, Paul tells us that Christ became sin for you. Didn't become a sinner, but the sin was placed upon him, became sin. Look at verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him, okay, that be Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God says, I love you. I love you. Okay, turn to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us. Man, this ought to excite you from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. You know what God says to you right now? Hey, hey ask the question. God, can you, can, you, can you remind me this morning of your steadfast love for me? God would say, my son has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Okay, We were all under the law. Everyone is under the law. But you and I, we get the perfect record of keeping it in Christ. Why? Because he submitted himself to that. All right? He was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. He hung on that cross for us. God says to you this morning, I love you, I love you, I love you. Turn to Titus 3, please. Titus 3. Titus 3. And sometimes you just need to be told that you're loved. Titus 3. God says, hey, I've not saved you because of your works. I didn't save you because you were a great parent. I didn't save you because you were a great shepherder of another life. Because you're a great ambassador. I saved you because of my mercy. Look at Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You know what God tells you this morning? You know what God's saying to those of us that are struggling with um, knowing, God, what do I, is this worth it? Do I keep do I do, do do I keep doing this? He's like, I've got you. I've got you, Christian. I've got your mom. I've got you, Dad. And I'm never letting you go. Remind yourself. Call, David's like, cause me in the morning. Cause me in the morning to be to to, to hear thy loving kindness. Help me, Lord. 
You do not have to fear, God says, because I'm with you. You don't have to be dismayed, mom or dad, because I am your God. My strength becomes your strength. I will, I will help you on your journey. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, Isaiah says. For fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yes, you and I this morning, we need to hear of God's steadfast love. You and I, we need to, we need to anchor to our souls before we hear anything else. Let me hear and then lead me on. Because here's why. You're probably not going to like where he leads you on. How many of you have been, been along the journey long enough to say, yeah, there's sometimes I don't like that journey. So you're going to have to remind yourself before you take those steps, God, you're faithful, you're loving, you're caring. Let me hear and then lead me on. It's a great prayer for you this morning. Wrapping up kind of this three months so or so on parenting, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into something later here, you know, after John's, John will be here next week. But parenting, shepherding, ambassadorial work on the life on behalf of other people, it is inescapably a life of waiting. And what are you going to do while you wait? Well, I would encourage you to say, God, let me hear. And then as I'm waiting, lead me on to what is next. This place of uncertainty. Through this, through this prayer, we remember the clear picture of God's love in the cross and the victory of Jesus. And then we set our sail with all of God's promises because of that love. Let me hear, Lord. Remind me again this morning on, what is it, September, I don't know what time it is, or what, what, September 23rd, to go forward in that love. Because the steps that I'm going to take are difficult. If they live godly, well, they're going to suffer persecution, and so things are going to become difficult as you try to live for God. And so here's what I want to do. I want to I I hear of your love. I want to hear of your promises because those things are going to become in doubt when I start taking the steps in which you're leading me. So start there. I know the natural inclination is, okay, God, just tell me where to go. Where instead, maybe we ought to take a step back. Remind me who you are. Remind me what you say of me. Then tell me what to do. Because then that will help me take the steps in which he is asking us to do. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few minutes. We've got plenty of time before church. I want you right there all alone. You can pray actually with somebody else if you want. I want you to literally pray a prayer similar like that. Hear what God says to you and what he thinks of you. According, I, I read several verses that can help you with that. And then say, God, now, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to take that knowledge? Go ahead. Spend some time praying, please.